Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. We have been waiting for this moment for so, so long. We have finally made it to the month of November. And why didn't I know what that means? Games are coming real, real soon. So we are so pleased to welcome in yet another head coach, this time the head women's basketball coach at the University of Minnesota, Morris, Coach Grove. Coach, thank you so much for joining us on the pod once again. Really appreciate it. Guys, I appreciate the work you're doing. I'm just happy to be on with you. Thanks for having me. So this probably isn't a surprise to you, Coach, because we know you are a, a faithful listener and we do appreciate that, but we just uh, like to start with every coach before we get into the thick of games. I know practices have started for you and you're a busy guy and you're doing plenty of things to get ready for the season, but what do you do in the off season? Give our listeners a little bit of an idea of how you spend time away from the basketball floor. How do you pass the time by in the months that we have from the end of last season before uh, we get going this season. Yeah, absolutely. For the most part, I'm I'm dad, you know, which is the best job in the world. So um, a little bit more specifically, my, my boys are heavily involved with uh, summer baseball. And so I do some coaching with them. Uh, my youngest, who is uh, in seventh grade now, we, we actually had the opportunity and, and won our in-house little league uh, championship this past summer so that was a lot of fun and I coached a little bit with my other son's travel team as well and that group was able to uh, win the 3A 14U state championship down in Austin this past summer so baseball was a lot of fun um, so it's just fun to, to be around those guys in that setting and, and coach a little bit but just more than anything else just hang around them and their buddies so that was a lot of fun but other than that um, I do a lot of officiating uh, I'm a football official in the fall and uh, do a lot of baseball umpiring in the spring and the summer. So um, those things, along with just being a, a dad and, and husband, keep me pretty busy. So, Coach, you answered one of the questions I was going to have for you. Do you do any other sports besides football when you officiate? But how did you get started with that? How long have you been doing that for, and how did that kind of come about? Yeah, when I moved here to Morris, uh, this is my 17th year here. Um, so when I moved in, I, I just thought that uh, – you know, I need I need something else. I need I need a hobby. And um, there was a pretty good officials association here out of Morris that was being run at the time, and and it was actually by our, our at, the, at that time Scott Munson, who was our uh, superintendent of schools here in Morris. So I went and talked to him as he was kind of the the leader of the association. Sat down and mentioned how interested I was in in uh, getting into football, and and I thought I would do the same with with baseball. And this was probably summertime, and, and he said, yeah, no problem. We'll get your stuff ordered, and, and we'll start working in slow. Well, I think I had, uh, I don't know, 12 or 14 games that, that fall be, between uh, high school and junior college. And uh, actually, the second game I ever, I ever worked 
uh, as a football official was a, a junior college football game. So um, there was no working me in slow. He, he got me right in and uh, started doing that. It's been great. I've been doing it now probably for, I don't know, I'd say probably 14, 15 years. And it's been a great experience. You know, you're, you're, um, uh, the, the experiences you get through that and the, the places you are able to go and officiate is just a lot of fun. Um, in fact, our, our crew last fall, a year ago, had the 3A state championship game uh, down at, at the bank, and that was a lot of fun. And, and our crew uh, actually this Sunday will be working the junior college state championship at St. Cloud State University. So um, it's allowed me to, to get some great experiences and, and hang out with a bunch of great guys. And uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm just going to put a plug in for officials out there who might be thinking about it. The state of Minnesota is in dire need of officials. And if you're someone out there that's, that's considering it, um, I would encourage you to, to jump in because it's, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, you know, we don't do it for the money. It's, it's a nice little side gig, I guess you could say, but uh, you do it to, to give back to the, you know, the programs that have, have, been, have, have given you so much through your time in high school and, and college. And uh, it's just a great opportunity to do that and hang out with a bunch of great guys and, and give back again to, uh, to a, a sport that has given you so much, I believe. So if there's anybody thinking about it out there, I would certainly encourage you to do so. That is fascinating, Coach. I I hear you talk through this, and I just think so many people hearing this may say that kind sounds kind of stressful. I, I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> a hobby of the off season, but hey, I mean, you walking into those spots, I'm sure you're you know a lot more comfortable now than you maybe used to be. Well, yes, absolutely. But I also think that officiating has made me a better coach, uh, and I think coaching has made me a better official because you you see things from different points of view. Um, I think I'm able to, to communicate with coaches very well uh, when I'm umpiring baseball or when I'm officiating football. I think that coaching background has really helped me in that regard because uh, I, I know what a coach needs to hear. He, for, for the most part, with officiating, coaches just simply want to be communicated with, and I'm no different as a basketball coach. Uh, the, the, the officials that frustrate me are the ones that aren't willing to communicate with you. So that's half the battle. You know, I think it's, it's demeanor and it's a willingness to communicate with the coaches, um, and that takes you a long ways. And, of course, yeah, you need, you need the rules knowledge and you need to, to be mechanically sound. Um, but I think if you're just willing to communicate with people, that really takes care of a lot of the, a lot of the problems. Would agree with that. Absolutely, Coach. We will uh, take you now officially to the floor. And before we get to the buildup to this season, which I know is racing up real close when we look at the calendar, I want to take you back to last year and how your season finished and what people listening to this and people who follow the UMAC most recently remember. And that is, you know, the last week of February. And, you know, Wyatt and I had some egg on our face that week where we weren't <laughs> picking you to make it all the way to the UMAC championship game. But you guys, first off, take down UW-Superior in a good battle in the quarters and then the semis. You do what a lot of people didn't give you a great chance to do. You go and take down Bethany, and you win by double digits, and you honestly shock a lot of people, including Wyatt and I, and you raise some eyebrows a little bit. And then, unfortunately, you fall in the UMAC championship game. But all that is to say, Coach, what do you remember about that week, coaching your squad and seeing them really, I think you know, you would maybe agree with this, playing their best basketball when it mattered most? Um, yeah, we really were, and I think that's the goal of, of any coach in any program. You want to be playing your best basketball at the end of the season, 
And the, the things that we were doing throughout the year, I think, was, was not only, um, I think, new to a lot of the teams that we were playing, but it was new to us. We tried some, some different things, and, and I think we finally kind of hit our stride, especially defensively, um, there that, that final week of the season and into the, into the playoffs. And, yeah, we had a, a, a pretty, um, I would say, significant and, and I don't want to say dominating, but we, we really played a good game against Superior here and, and beat them, I think, something like 16 points or so. Um, and then took the game on the road to Bethany. And believe me, guys, you weren't the only ones that, uh, <laughs> that weren't picking us that night. Um, but what I remember about that game was – was just our defensive effort and how we 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 can really truly controlled that game. You know, if you look at the box score uh, from that, we outscored them in every quarter. So it wasn't like we just had one spurt that was the difference in that game. I really thought defensively we were really on point and and did some really good things um, and and frustrated them offensively enough that uh, that we were able to score enough to win. You know, last year we were really dependent on our on our defense and. Um, you know, to go into Bethany with, with the team that they had and, and the way they were scoring points and to hold them to 60 points on their floor was really, I thought, an, an incredible defensive effort uh, from our entire squad. Now, a lot of that will go to Jay Quate, who, who turned out to be uh, the UMAC's first ever defensive player of the year. Um, she did a great job on Geisfeld, and of course, that's, you know, she was really the, the key um, and even of their 60 points, I think she had half of them. She had, I don't know, 26, 28, 30 points that night. Um, so that was really a, a great defensive effort from us. And, and we did enough on the offensive end to, to be able to come out with that victory. But I thought one of the things that stands out to me in that game was, well, I think there was somewhere around 15 seconds to go in the game. And it was, it was decided at that point. And and uh, Lyle did what Lyle should do at that at that stage of the game, and and he he subbed out Hannah Geisfeld. And I just remember that place uh, there at Bethany Lutheran. No one was on their on their seat. Everyone rose to their feet and gave her a tremendous ovation, which she was absolutely deserving of. The place was chanting MVP, MVP, and heck, I was up chanting the same thing, and our bench was up chanting the same thing. Uh, because I think it's it was so important to give Hannah that respect that she had earned over the, the five years that she played, um, the tremendous effort that she gave night in and night out, and, and not only what she did individually, but what she was able to do for her team. And, uh, you know, she was she was part of the, the Bethany squad that, that beat Bethel um, in the national, uh, national tournament to give the UMAC our first women's basketball victory in the national tournament. So... Hannah and, and that program did a lot for the UMAC, and I just thought it was it was a great gesture by Lyle and, and everyone there to to give her those MVP chants. Uh, and then, of course, after that, we we recollected ourselves and and went to North Central. And uh, uh, defensively, we were good again, um, but the difference there was was the second quarter. Uh, if I remember correctly, neither team scored in double digits in the second quarter that night, and I think we ended up losing by five. Um, and if we could have just found a, a way to, to score a couple more baskets, we may have been our, the representative there in the national tournament. But um, overall, it was a, a great week, and I look back on that uh, fondly. Uh, but if you were to, to say the one thing that stands out most would be that, that standing ovation and MVP chance for, for Hannah Geisfeld as she was subbed out of that game. 
We had a chance to talk with Coach Jones earlier this offseason. He had some nice things to say about your program, Coach. One of them was he applauded you for how you schedule in non-conference. They do the same thing. They schedule tough, and he actually thought that that helped you in that game against them last year. Do you agree with that? And looking ahead to this year, is that kind of something you always look to try and do when you can, is sprinkle in the toughest competition to prepare your team the best you can for conference play? Absolutely. You know, there, there's an old saying that goes, that which does not kill, that which does not kill us only makes us stronger. And so uh, we look at that in terms of, of scheduling as well. Um, now we were almost, we were almost killed last year with that schedule. Uh, the number of, of tough division two teams that we had and, and even the, the difficult division three opponents and NAIA teams that we had was, was a really, really tough schedule. But um, you know, the, the reason we put ourselves through that is, is to get as good as we can. Um, it doesn't do us any good to go, you know, schedule a bunch of easy wins. Um, I guess, you know, maybe some could argue that gives us some confidence going in, but I'd rather go out and play the very toughest schedule that we can because uh, those tough teams are really good at, at pointing out the things that we need to get better at. And, and so if we can, if we can manage to, to get through and survive the non-conference play and yeah, we might be, we might be two and nine in non-conference. Well, big deal. Um, have those nine losses helped us uh, going four and seven? Has that helped us uh, when it comes time for conference play? And, and I would argue that it does because playing those tough teams, again, it really does a, a job in, in showing us the things that we need to work on, the things that we need to improve. Um, it also shows us what we're doing pretty well. So um, that's the reason behind that. We certainly don't schedule it to, uh, to pad the win column. Uh, we try to challenge our athletes. And, and like I say, if we get through that, um, uh, it usually sets us up pretty good for, for conference play. And, and uh, at least at that point, we think that there's probably nothing that we have not seen uh, that at least we'll be able to to go into a game confident and, and ready to go. Coach, you've already mentioned some about last year's team and those players who are going to be back this year. You mentioned Jay Quate and how much of a factor she is defensively. You got Wolschlager back, Van Kempen. I could go down the line more and more, but you have a lot of experience returning for this season. Do you remember any team in recent memory? I know you've been at this a long time where you've had this much coming back from such a successful team. And then kind of part two of that question is, what does that change for you then in a buildup to the season with these practices before games start? Is it not as much on you as a head coach? Because you say, listen, you all know the drills we're going to run. You know how we're going to prepare for the season type of a thing. You got to go out and earn it each and every year. But is it more player led in a year like this for your squad? Yeah, you know, I um, I don't remember a, a, a team with this heavy of an of a you know a kind of a senior laden group. Uh, we've got eight players that are either in their fourth or fifth year uh, here in our program, which is a lot. But now on the flip side. We've got five players uh, who have never never stepped on the floor with us. So um, there's that that balance. That um, yeah, sometimes when I when I think we're going to have things figured out, then I have to realize no, there's there's five freshmen here that that don't know what this drill is. There's five freshmen that don't know what this offense or this defense is. So um, it's it's still a lot of of teaching. But what is nice, and I think uh, you hit on it there right at the end, was. A lot of it now is player-led, which, you know, the best teams out there are going to be player-led teams. Yes, coaches have to be there to, to guide and do those things, but, you know, the best teams that I have had have truly been player, 
led um, with what we're doing on the floor and what our expectations are off the floor. And so I'm really looking to this team to be very similar to that uh, in that we're going to be player led. You know, and a, a quick example of that was, um, you know, to kind of take you on the on the, the court here for our practice last night, for example. We did not get off to a, a very good start, and I just challenged them at that point. I said, we need better leadership. You know, with, with, with all these returners back, we need to have somebody step up and recognize when things aren't going well and do something about it. Well, tonight's practice was completely opposite. They, they uh, uh, actually kind of briefly met in the center court right before we started practice, and we had the best practice that we've had all year tonight. And so I give credit there to to those returning players that heard what I said, that did something about it, and and came back on the floor the very next night and implemented what we did and, and what we wanted. So um, kudos to them for, for that. And I think that just goes to your comment about a player-led team. And I think that's the kind of stuff that we're going to have all year long. So he mentioned uh, when he asked that question, how do you, you know build off of last year? And it's basically what I want to know too is once you hit the ground running here with the game starting up, it's going to be very player-led it sounds like, but you don't want to necessarily miss this opportunity it feels like. I would say the women's side is as open as it's been in a long time. It's been kind of a shift, kind of a change if you will, and you're coming off a great season. you got a lot coming back, so how do you make sure you put them in the best position to have success? Yep, and that's what we use these early season games for. Um, I couldn't tell you right now what we're going to do on December, what is it, December 9th, uh, when our when we open UMAC play. I couldn't tell you that for sure. We need these early season games to help figure that out. Um, we do have a lot of players returning. That does not mean we're going to be able to do the same things that made us successful last year. Uh, we're still trying to figure those things out. You know, we're, we're 12 practices in, and and uh, we're, we're still trying to decide what will be our, our best lineup? And with that lineup, what are we going to be able to do to make us most successful um, offensively and defensively? So those are things that we are working through. And, and I think to your, your comment too, uh, this may be as, as open. Um, and I think by that, we just we sit back and say there's not this clear-cut uh, winner out there, right? Or this, this clear-cut preseason favorite. Um, you know, with, with Hannah the last few years, it's been nearly impossible to, to think of anyone else but Bethany up in that top spot. Uh, but a guy uh, like Aaron Call, our, our buddy at Northwestern, uh, he will downplay his young team. You know, he's, oh, I've got all these sophomores and, and freshmen. Uh, but you know what, doggone it, they're, they're pretty talented, and that's, that's what you need. And, and North Central and all these teams, they're, they're going to be really good. Uh, and there's some teams we don't know a whole lot about yet because of the, the coaching change. So um, I, I think the, the openness of, of the league just goes to kind of their not being a clear-cut favorite. So um, it could be anyone that, that comes up and, and rises to the occasion and gets things done this year. Coach, this one is very random, and it's probably a quick answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I didn't see this till a little bit ago, and I don't know how long this has been in the works. But James Gremmel's court has a different look to it, and I gotta say, like it look, it looks really good. <laughs> it looks really refreshed. What what are your comments and feedback on on the new look that people will be seeing this year? Ryan, we are absolutely stoked about our new floor. We we think it looks phenomenal. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort. Uh, I would say last, probably last spring, into really looking at designs and and really um, looking at the details of this thing 
to try to give it the best possible impact uh, that it could have. And, and I think we've done that, led by Athletic Director Matt Johnson. He did a tremendous job. It's a lot of work doing this. Um, but uh, it, we are really, really stoked about the new floor. Um, not only the look of it, but the, the, the feel of it. You know, the floor we had in before was, was 50 years old, and, and it was kind of like running on cement. Well, this, our athletes have given us great feedback on how just the, the feel of the floor is so much better. Uh, we're not as worried about, about shin splints and those types of, of injuries. Uh, so hopefully there's a lot less of that. Um, but yeah, we're just really excited about the new floor. We think it looks great and, and we're anxious for, uh, you know, the, the basketball people to, to come around and, and take a look at it now as well. The volleyball season and the volleyball teams have been through to see it. Uh, but now we're anxious to, to share it with the basketball community out there because we do, we think it looks great. Many people listening to that may, you know, roll their eyes and say, what does that really mean? But we understand branding matters. It means a lot. Like you said, it's for the athletes. And, you know, hearing your feedback is is uh, very beneficial with that. So I've asked this to each and every coach so far, and we've had a lot of different fascinating answers and honestly stuff across the board on what the feedback is. And I bet you probably know what I'm going to ask since you listened to all these episodes. But the transfer portal coach, it's a new wrench thrown into your job of something that you have to evaluate and figure out how as a staff do we look at this we can't ignore it it's here to stay type of a thing but what are your thoughts of it do you think it's positive for the future of college basketball specifically in the UMAC it it is definitely a factor how do you and your staff approach the transfer portal um yeah it is a factor and we do have to be aware of it um, I think it's not quite as big a deal at Division three level as it is at other levels, which other coaches have said as um, already uh, through these podcasts. But you know, one thing I want to mention that I, I don't think anyone has yet, and that's from a, from the Division three standpoint, at least for our student athletes, nothing. I don't want to say nothing's changed for them, but they've always had the opportunity to self-release. You know, through the NCAA website, they can go on there and do a self-release, which allows them 30 days to explore other options. So, from a from a student athlete standpoint, here at the Division Three, um, it's not necessarily a big change, I don't think, for them. Other than the transfer portal allows uh, kind of their decision to be out with with you know for everybody's eyes to be on it. So, I guess from that standpoint, it certainly is different. I just wanted to get the point across that our Division Three athletes have kind of always had that opportunity. Um, now, what it means for us, yeah, we have to be aware of it, um, but I, I don't necessarily think that the University of Minnesota Morris uh, will tend to get a lot of transfer portal athletes. And I say that based on, on size and location. You know, I think um, the, the individuals that we are recruiting typically don't choose UMM based on one of two one of two things or both of these and that's that's the size of our of our town the town of Morris and the location where we are um, and so those things don't change just because you go into the transfer portal so I don't know how much of an impact that transfer portal student athletes will have in our program uh, but you're absolutely right we have to be aware of it we have to know it's there um, but I don't really see it being a huge impact for us here and what we do and the type of kids that we get well that's fascinating i never realized that that was uh the case at the division three level though like you mentioned so you learn something new every day um i'm gonna keep it 
kind of light, like Ryan did before he asked that question. I, I like to sprinkle in these questions occasionally. Uh, as we record this, it's Halloween, so I'm curious. Give me, give me your top Halloween candies for me, if you could. Top three. <laughs> And uh, oh, where does Halloween also rank for you just as, like, a holiday? For me, it's not one of my top ones by any means, but maybe it is for you. I don't know. Well, Wyatt, I think when you I, – I guess I should ask. I was going to say when you become a dad. Are you a dad yet? I'm not. No, no, thankfully okay, so, not. Not quite yet. Too young for okay, that. <laughs> okay, yep, no no problem. I just wanted to, to specify, I guess, before I got into this answer. As a dad, Halloween is pretty awesome. You know, so when my kids were younger, I made sure that, that I had – Halloween night available. We would practice early if we had to. I would make sure I'm home for Halloween when I when when my kids were younger. Now, you know, tonight's obviously a little bit different. You mentioned we're we're here on Halloween night. We're doing this podcast. I had practice at 6 p.m. tonight, um, so this the the time that I'm taking my kids around has certainly passed. Uh, but in in the past, it has been neat. I. I loved being the dad that, that walked around with the kids and, and when that was done, hang out in the front yard with the fire going and hand out kids to, to or hand out candy to the kids that came around. And it's also special at our place too because my, my wife is a preschool teacher and in the in a in a town the size of Morris, um, you know, she would get a lot of her students, uh, current and former of course, that would come by and, and want to see Miss Kristen. So um, Halloween and, and here is is I don't want to say it's one of my favorites, but it is. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun when you're a dad and can walk the kids around. It's fun to hand out the candy to to kids that uh, know who you are and, and and come to see Miss Kristen and those types of things. So uh, Halloween's been a, a highlight, I guess, for us um, in the in the not so you know distant past. So it's it's a lot of fun. But in terms of Halloween candy. I mean, who doesn't like the Reese's Cups, right? Those have to be in the in the top, and and uh, gotta love the bite-sized Snickers. And I think the other one that might not be a favorite for others, but I truly love, is the Almond Joy. I love the Almond Joy. Um, so those, I think, would be my top three. Why didn't I, Coach? I think I uh, would agree with the first two, but it's it's funny. I hear that from so many people, and I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way, but like people, you know, a little bit older, like they, they all love the Almond Joys because they say, you know what, the kids aren't going to eat them, and they'll get all of them. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I didn't take offense to that. No worries. No worries. Fair, 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 fair enough there. I, I, I'm going to go away from Halloween here, Coach, and kind of step back to something that we were touching a little bit on earlier, but I kind of want to paint a bigger picture on. You mentioned, you know, a player like Hannah, who's no longer in the league. You look at Northwestern, you mentioned Coach Call's got a really young club as you see multiple of their players graduate. If people just look at the, you know, first and second team all UMAC, plenty of those players are gone. You add on top of it, you got a new coach at Wisconsin Superior, you got a new coach at Northland, you got a coach moving from Crown to North Central, who, oh, by the way, was last year the champion, and now they have a brand-new head coach. All that is to say, it kind of feels like a new era, like Wyatt talked about earlier here in the UMAC. How much do you pay attention to that, take into consideration, and how is it going to maybe feel different for you when you do face off against you know the, the Superiors, the Northlands, the North Centrals of the world? Do you expect a different feel? feeling i guess is the best way i can describe that for this year with women's basketball in the umac uh ryan absolutely is is the answer um i mean and we pay attention to it of course i mean that's we we have to right uh, uh but you're exactly right and i don't remember who who pointed this out before but yeah if you take a look at the all-conference teams there's a lot of those names that are no longer 
playing in the league. So um, it is kind of a, a you know the dawn of a of a new era, or or we're going to see other players really step up and 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 earn things uh, for their team. So um, yeah, we do have to pay attention to it. Um, we do have to learn what these teams are going to do. It may be that you know it. it in the past, and I don't want this to come off as, as negative or anything that I'm that I'm not paying attention, but I wouldn't necessarily pay too much attention to what our conference teams did in the non-conference until it was almost conference time. Um, like these first couple weeks of games, yeah, I would look at scores, but I wouldn't be watching any film on them yet. We're just trying to prepare for our next game. But now when we get closer to conference play, that's when I really you know focus in and, and get ready for those early season conference games. This year might be a little bit different because, as you said, I have no idea what Northland is going to be like. I have no idea what Crown is going to be like. Uh, I have no idea what Superior is going to be like. And so I might be paying a little bit more attention to those teams in the non-conference play just simply because new coaches are there. There's a lot of question marks uh, with how are they going to play, what style are they going to be doing, um, what players do they have on the on the floor. So absolutely it's a, kind of a, a dawn of a new era here and a lot of question marks that go into a lot of these different teams. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty familiar with, with what Aaron is going to do at Northwestern. We're pretty familiar with what Lyle's going to do. We're pretty familiar with what Dan's going to do at Martin Luther. Uh, but it's these other, other schools and other teams that we're going to have to uh, probably – take a look at a little earlier just to get a handle on things and see what they're doing and uh, kind of see what we have to be ready for come conference play. Coach, this would be the last one I have for you, and we maybe talked about this last year when we had you on. I can't remember all the way back, but uh, take the wins and losses out of it, whether it was last year or whatever happens this year. What do you hope from this team? Like, What, what do you want to see them accomplish? And, again, that's more – a lot of people think of that word and they think, okay, wins and losses. But there's so much more to the game and how you grow even like as a person through sports. So so what's your hope for this group and I guess any athlete that you coach? Yeah, that's really a heavy question there. I think, um, you know, our goal always, it doesn't matter, I, I don't think what the level or anything else, that we want to provide the best possible student-athlete experience that we can provide. And yeah, winning helps provide a great experience. Uh, but I would like to think that if we lost a majority of our games, that our student athletes would still have a great experience. And how would they have that great experience? Well, they're, they're around people that care about them. They're around people that, that share the same goals that they have and aspirations. Um, they're around a group of people that are truly playing for one another and really focused on being great people and great teammates. Uh, and I think that's where, if you ask, I think in particular, Division three coaches, um, that I would, would assume would be more so the answer that you would get. I don't think my philosophy is that much different than, than any other coach here at the Division three level. Uh, we want that experience to be phenomenal. You know, student-athlete experience to me and other coaches is what it's all about. And so if at the end of the day uh, we can look back and say we provided a great experience for them and they truly enjoyed being around us and around their teammates uh, and doing the things that we did, um, that to me is a win. I don't think there's uh, anything that I can ask that would top that, Coach. So that is a, uh, a great way to wrap up our conversation. But as we said to all the coaches, and we'll say to you as well, we hope this is not. We'll talk to you again 
next October, next November. We hope to catch up with you down the road. We can get into some more X's and O's as we get into UMAC play because, I mean, we talked about it. You said it. Wyatt and I have said it. We're looking forward to this UMAC stretch because it is wide open, and that obviously includes you guys as well. So thank you so much for the time, Coach. Thank you for all the support that you've given Wyatt and I. We uh, really do appreciate it and look forward to staying in touch. That sounds great, guys, and, and I know you you know this, but you've got an avid listener here. I love what you guys are doing uh, for our league, and uh, just keep up the great work. We all appreciate it.